Amen. Thank you, worship team. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. Everyone else, go ahead and take your Bibles and open with me this morning to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, as we continue our study this morning on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So Galatians chapter 5, we're going to pick up this morning in verse 16, and we're going to make our way through verse 26 as we talk about keeping in step with the Spirit this morning. Keeping in step with the Spirit. Now, as we've been studying through the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, as we come to this sort of Thanksgiving service together, one of the things that we have hopefully become more and more thankful for over the last couple of weeks is we have become thankful for the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. Remember, it is the Holy Spirit of God that indwells us as believers. It is the Holy Spirit that assures us of our salvation. It is the Holy Spirit, remember, that intercedes on our behalf. And it is the Holy Spirit that is our helper as we try to live our lives for the glory of God. However, if we were here last week, you remember that the Holy Spirit helps us in order to live our lives for the glory of God. But if you've lived this week then you also know that this life can and is oftentimes a struggle. Amen? How many of you had a flawless, perfectly sinless week this week? All right? Not even Miss Lunell raised her hand. I'm telling you what. I'm, I'm just joking. But all of us have struggled this week. Amen? All of us have, again, fallen short of the glory of God. And so what we're going to look at here in Galatians chapter 5 is Paul is encouraging the Galatians as to how they can keep in step with the Spirit in their lives. And in the text, we're going to see three ways in which we can keep in step with the Spirit in our lives. And as we do, Paul says that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so the way in which we overcome that struggle is we keep in step with the Spirit in our daily lives. Now, easier said than done. We're going to acknowledge that and we're going to find that out as we walk through the text. But the key to overcoming those desires, the key to making it through the struggles, is to keep in step with the Spirit in our daily life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read Galatians chapter 5, jump into verse 16. As we get going, I'll get you caught up on the context so that we make sure we understand the text within the larger context of the book. But let's just jump in to begin in chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you... As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Will you pray? Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for not just your word, but we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of your Holy Spirit that, as we saw last week, is going to help us this morning by teaching us your word, by bringing to remembrance the things that we study this morning so that we can use them and apply them into our daily lives as you guide us through the Spirit. But, Lord, we also know that we have to do our part We have to submit to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that as we look at the text this morning, that we would be encouraged to do just that. That even in the midst of our struggles, Lord, that we would walk by your Spirit, that we would keep in step with the Spirit this morning, and that you would be glorified in our lives. We love you and we praise you, Lord Jesus. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, in the text, we're going to see three ways in which we can keep in step with the Spirit in our lives. Number one, walk by the Spirit in your daily life. Number one, walk by the Spirit in your daily life. Now, as we begin, let's again make sure that we understand the context. If you go back and read the entire book of Galatians, you will certainly see that the church in Galatia was a church that was doing well in the beginning but had some struggles as of late because false teaching had crept into the area. And now the church was sort of battling between two different uh, uh, kind of extremes, if you will. On one extreme, they were being encouraged, they were being encouraged to go back under the law. So they were wanting to say, we want Jesus as our Savior, but we also want to keep ourselves under the law. We want to obey the law. We want to do that which the law requires. Now, ironically, the Gentile, these uh, Galatians are Gentiles. They were never under the law, right? But false teachers that were Jewish in nature came back and said, you know what? If you're really going to be a child of God, you got to not just put your faith in Jesus. You got to follow the law. And so they were confused and they were trying to follow the law. Others... We're just saying, you know what, if God sets me free from sin and God's going to forgive all my sin, well, then I can just keep on sinning and enjoy this life, right? So on one side, they were trying to be legalistic. Let's obey the law. And on the other side, they were saying, let's throw caution to the wind and let grace abound. Let's just keep on living in sin. And so on one side, you have legalism. On the other side, you have what we call sinful license. In other words, I have a license to sin. God's going to forgive me and I get a get out of jail free card, right? Now, none of us have ever struggled with that mindset, amen, right? We've been on both sides of that extreme, right? We have lived our lives thinking that if we will just do better, we will be better. That's legalism. If I'll just do these things, everything will be better in my life. And we do that and we find out that, number one, it's not true. And we find out, number two, we're not able to do better, right? What a struggle that is, amen, to try to do better all the time only to realize that I'm not really that good at doing better, right? And on the other end, we've all had that thought before. Well, I mean, God's going to forgive me anyway, right? And that thought has allowed us to fall into sin. That's what's going on in the Galatian church. And so Paul is writing to them, trying to encourage them that if they really have a relationship with Christ and they have been set free from the law and they have been set free from sin, they don't have to do either one of those things any longer. Amen? But the problem is Paul needs to teach them how to live in light of the freedom they have in Christ. 
And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And the way in which we live in light of the freedom we have in Christ is by being attuned to the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us. And so Paul says, first of all, that they need to walk by the Spirit in their daily life. So we've been set free from sin. And Paul says this in verse 16. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, Paul says, if you will just walk by the Spirit, follow the Spirit in your daily life, you will not sin against God. You will not fall to the temptation. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Matter of fact, that word walk, it's an interesting word we've looked at before. It means to walk, to walk after someone, or to walk in a particular direction. Matter of fact, the last time I preached this text, I used the illustration of follow the leader, right? If we were to go up into children's uh, church and we were to tell the kids, hey, we're going to play follow the leader, right? All the kids would know what that means, right? Somebody gets in front, they walk, and whatever they do, you got to do behind them. Right? That's exactly the picture that Paul is painting here between us and the Spirit. He is the leader, and we are to walk in such a way that we are following the Holy Spirit in our lives. If he jumps, we jump. Right? If he ducks, we duck. We, we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As a matter of fact, Paul's going to go on to say that we're to be led by the Spirit in verse 18. Then he gives us another picture in verse 25 that we're to live by the Spirit and that we're to keep in step with the Spirit. The idea here is that daily, daily, we would submit ourselves to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? And then because we know what's true in verse 17 comes next, we don't just have to do this daily, but oftentimes we have to do this moment by moment. Because what does Paul say in verse 17? He says, although that's true, he says the struggle of this life is real. He says, your flesh is battling against the spirit that lives inside of you. And the flesh is going to try to get you to do things the spirit doesn't want you to do. And the spirit's going to try to get you to do things the flesh doesn't want you to do. These are opposed to one another. The flesh and the spirit never see eye to eye. They're always against each other, trying to get the other one to go away so that we will do that which our flesh naturally wants us to do. That's what this, this is what this means. That means that if I don't submit to the Spirit daily in my life, I will naturally start slipping further and further away from God. I will naturally slip into sin. Whether it's legalism on one hand or whether it's sinful license on the other hand, if I'm not walking by the Spirit daily in my life, I'm going to gratify the desires of the flesh. Understand the desires of the flesh are not just those sinful, wicked things. Sometimes the desire of the flesh is legalism. The desire of the flesh is that, you know what, I'll prove how good I am. I'll just keep all the rules better than you'll keep the rules. That's what the Pharisees were doing, right? And the gratify the desires of their flesh was arrogance and pride, right? And others were just saying, I'm just going to sin because I want to do what my flesh sinfully, animalistically wants me to do. Paul says both are bad. Both are a desire of the flesh and neither one is in keeping with walking by the Holy Spirit in your life. And so Paul says we must walk by the Spirit in your life. And notice what he says in verse 18. He says, if you are led by the Spirit, then you are not under the law. In other words, if we will walk by the Spirit in our daily life, we are no longer under obligation to obey the law or sin. We can overcome sin in our life. So the question is, how then do I walk by the Spirit? 
Because let's face it, if, if, we, if we play follow the leader, maybe we'll do that later. That might be fun. If we play follow the leader, we know how to do that, right? Like, like if I get up and y'all, we, we know what that looks like, we know how to do that. How do we follow the Holy Spirit? Right? We don't see him. We, we, how, how do we follow the Holy Spirit? Cameron, I told you, if you'll flip him around so he can see me, he'll, he's wanting to see me, not you. I'm just trying to tell you that. Right? Chandler's talking back there. He wants to see Mr. Will. That's what he's after back there. But if we, if we follow the Spirit, what does that look like? Well, let me, let me give you four things. We could go with more, but let me just give you four things that I think will help us walk by the Spirit daily in our life. Number one, prayer. Number one, prayer. If you're going to walk by the Spirit in your daily life, you're going to have to engage in prayer. Matter of fact, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians that we're to pray without ceasing, right? Earlier I said that this wasn't just daily. Honestly, this is moment to moment. Because the reality is that even though I wake up in the morning and submit myself to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, lead me in my life, right? Sometimes shortly thereafter, I have to remind myself, nope, I've submitted to the Spirit. Amen? Because something will happen. Either, either the TV will go on and something inappropriate will be there, or somebody will cut me off as I'm driving my truck, right? And, and, and I've got to be reminded I'm not going to react in the flesh, driving my truck that's a struggle sometimes listen by, by god's grace there's not a button on my truck that blows up the person in front of me because it might would have happened a time or 12 right and so so there's just this reality that daily moment by moment oftentimes i have to submit myself to the leadership of the holy spirit through prayer right second i have to be in the word prayer scripture if i'm not spending time in the word then I will not submit to the Spirit in my life. You know what this is called? It's called a communication. It's called a relationship with God. I speak to Him through prayer. He speaks to me through His Word. If I'm not in that intimate, communicative relationship with the Lord, then I'm not going to submit to the Spirit in my life. So we got, we got to pray. we got to spend time in the Word. And then thirdly, we've got to maintain our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We've got to maintain our focus. So if you want to prayer, scripture, focus. If you want to write them down. That's easy to remember. All right? What, what do I mean by focus? I, I mean, personally, it doesn't take me long after I've got done praying for my focus to go elsewhere. Right? And, and again, all it takes is something distracting me from that which is important, and my focus will go out the window. And, and I might not be focused on bad stuff, but I'm just not focused on God's stuff, right? It's so easy for me to just wake up in the morning, spend some time in prayer, spend some time in the word, and then put God aside to do what I got to do throughout the course of that day, right? And I, and I, I lose my focus. And so I'm, I'm running through life. We're running through life, doing all the things that the world tells us we're supposed to be doing. And all the time, we're not focused on who we are in Christ. We're not focused on living for God's glory. And what happens when we do that is our focus is gone. We're no longer submitted to the Spirit. Instead, we're submitted to us doing what we want to do, and we will gratify the desires of the flesh. So we've got to maintain our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got prayer, we've got Scripture, we've got focus. And then then the fourth and final way you can write down escape. Take the way of escape. Take the way of escape. Right? I, there, there's, there's lots of things in Scripture I love, but there's two, there's two passages in Scripture that I love that Paul tells us 
we have, it is okay to struggle in this area. So, so here, here's one. We're not going to talk about that this morning. But in Ephesians, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. I love that. Be angry and do not sin. You know why Paul says be angry and don't sin? Because Paul knows there's no way you can live life without getting angry from time to time. Because other people will do stuff to you that will cause you to be angry. Amen? So get cut off in traffic. Be angry. Don't push the button that blows them up. Right? It's okay to be angry in that moment. It's okay to be frustrated, but you can't sin. Be angry, don't sin. Right? And then the other one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, when Paul says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Here's what Paul says in this verse. He says that you are going to be tempted, period. And because it's temptation, you're going to like it. You're going to want to fall to it. You're going to want to sin in your flesh. I think sometimes we struggle with that reality. We, we feel like because we're, 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 we're professing faith in Jesus that we should no longer have any desire to sin again, right? But that's not the reality. The reality is as long as we live in these sinful bodies, our bodies are going to be prone to sin, amen? And so Paul says, listen, it's going to happen. It's going to come. But that temptation that you're facing, number one, you're not alone. So don't, don't act like you're alone, right? What do you mean by we're not alone? That means there's others struggling with it. Probably a good idea for you to reach out and talk to somebody about it. That's not what we want to do, though, is it? And we want to hide in the corner with our sin. We don't want anybody to know because we feel like, man, I'm, I'm rotten. No one is as bad as I am. Well, nobody else in that corner, but everybody outside of that corner is just as rotten as you are. We're all struggling, amen? And so if we talk about it, it'll help one another, be accountable to one another. We can get through things together. So he says, no temptation is common to man. And then he gives us his promise, God's not going to put on you more than you can handle. That temptation that you're facing, it's not uncommon and it's not more than you can handle. But there's a way to handle it. The way to handle it isn't saying, okay, God, I'm just going to take it keep bringing it on. I'm just going to sit here in the temptation and try not to sin. Nope. Paul says, God has provided the way of escape. Take it immediately. Run for your life. Amen? So, guys, you're, you're, you're struggling with your phone, with, with, with a computer, turn it off. Get rid of it if you have to. Right? Do what you got to do. Get rid of it, right? Take the way of escape. Don't try to endure saying, I'll be better next time. No, you won't. Take the way of escape. You weren't designed to do better. You were designed to take the way of escape. Amen? Talk about it. Get help. Take the way of escape, right? Ladies, same thing, right? Sins you're struggling with, don't try to endure them. Don't try to hang in the middle of them that you won't do it again. No, no, no. Run. Get away from it. Amen? Take the way of escape. And so if we'll do that, then that will enable us to walk by the Spirit in our daily life. So, pray, read Scripture, right? Keep your focus on Christ and take the way of escape. Now again, we could list a bunch more, right? But those are just four that I find helpful in my own life that enable me to overcome sin, not all the time, 
but enable me to overcome sin so that I don't gratify the flesh. Right? And what I have found, what you have found, is that if I am walking by the Spirit, I do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so if there's sin going on in my life, I can almost guarantee you that those four things are not happening. When I'm struggling with sin and you ask me, are you spending as much time as you ought to in prayer and in Scripture? I would say no. Are you, are you keeping your focus on Christ? No. Are you taking the way of escape? No. And that's true for all of us. Amen? And so let's walk by the Spirit by trying to do those things. Jesus Christ has given us everything we need to overcome the flesh. And all we have to do is to submit to the Spirit daily in our lives. So number one, walk by the Spirit in your daily life. And then secondly, be aware of the fruit you are producing. Now, if you go back to the beginning of this chapter, Paul makes it clear that the Galatians had started strong in their walk with the Lord, but someone had come in and begun to teach a false doctrine to them that had led many of them astray. Again, they were, folk, they were struggling with legalism on one side, central license, uh, sinful license on the other, and what Paul says is that the fruit you're producing in your life is making it crystal clear that you are either headed towards heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ, or you are headed towards judgment separated from God but the fruit of your life makes that clear and so here's what Paul says be careful and be aware of the fruit you're producing and I love the fact that he tells this to the Galatian church those sitting in the congregation hearing this letter read kind of like you're sitting here this morning hearing this sermon preached right Because Paul says, I'm not talking about the outside world that is lost and needs Jesus. We know that. I'm talking about those within the church itself. Be aware of the fruit you're producing. Because there were many in Galatia that thought they were doing well when in fact the evidence in their life, the fruit they were producing proves otherwise. So, for this reason, reason, Paul warns them to be aware of the fruit they're producing, and then Paul lists the works of the flesh and explains that those practicing these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look with me now again in verse 19. Paul says, now, the works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. Dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. In other words, it's not an exhaustive list. There's other things. Paul says at the end of verse 21, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look back at verse 21. Look at the phrase, do such things. That word translated there as do can either be translated as do or it can be translated as as means, uh, excuse me, to make a practice of doing. In other words, if you went through that entire list of 15 sins and added on to the end things like these, everyone in this room is doomed. Amen? We're in trouble. Big time trouble. Right? Paul is not saying that if you've ever fallen to or struggled with, you're doomed. What Paul is saying is this. If you are living your life in that sin... If you are habitually practicing that sin, in other words, then take a look at the fruit you're producing and know that it is not fruit that ends up in the eternal kingdom of God. Paul says those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who are living their lives 
within that sin. In other words, you're not, you're not overcoming it. You're wrapped up in it. Paul says you are living your life and your life is proving that you do not personally know the Lord Jesus Christ. You may know him up here, but you've not submitted to him in here. Amen? Paul says on the other side, he says there are what we call fruits of the Spirit. He says because of the Holy Spirit of God working in your life, he says these are the fruits that the Spirit produces. Now, notice what he says in verse 22. He says the fruit of the Spirit. Now, let's pause there for a minute because I think this is important for us to understand. This is the fruit of who? The Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit of God will produce in your life, not what you will produce in your life. This happens when we submit ourselves more and more to the Holy Spirit, not when we try to do better. What we normally do is we take this list of fruits and we try to do better at these. Right? We go through this list of nine. We figure out the one that we struggle with the most. We buy a book on it. Right? We pray about it, right? We ask others, how can we improve in this area? We try to do everything we can do to improve in this area that we struggle with. Paul says this is the fruit of the Spirit. These fruits will be evident in your life as the Holy Spirit of God takes control of your life. Amen? Listen, you're you're not going to get patient by trying to be more patient. Right? You're not going to start loving more by trying to love more. The way in which we increase or mature in these areas of our life is by submitting more and more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And so let's look at these nine virtues, these nine fruits of the Spirit, if you will. Paul begins with love. Everything else in the list flows out of the love that God has for us and the love that we are to have in return for God and for one another. If you want to do a study, do a study on love throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what you will find is that everything hinges upon love. God created us so that he could have a relationship with us because he loves us. Right? God sent Jesus because he loves us. Right? God says all, that, all will know that you are my disciple if you love me and love one another. Jesus tells the disciples that everything hangs upon love for God and love for one another, right? Every, excuse me, everything is about love. It's about the love that God has for you and the love in return that you have for God. And here's the kicker. You can't love God unless he first loved you. But because he loved you, you are able to love God in return. I also want you to understand that word love there. It's the Greek word agape. Right? In other words, it's not an emotion. It is an action whereby we choose to love God. Amen? Listen, emotions are are good, right? But emotions aren't all there is. And so this love is a love that God activates in us, if you will, through the Holy Spirit living inside of our lives. And so love. Love for God. Love for one another. Joy. This is a common theme throughout the New Testament, and for the believer, it can only be found in Christ. Listen, Christian joy is not dependent upon circumstances or mood, but is living in the reality of Christ's death and resurrection. Here's what that means. 
It means that as long as Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, then I can find joy regardless of what's going on in my life. Now, that doesn't mean that joy always exists in the absence of sadness and sorrow. Right? Listen, the reality is, there's sad things going on in the world all around us. Amen? You watched the news last night. There's an 11-year-old girl. Her family is not experiencing a lack of sadness this morning. Right? There's, there, there's a family locally that lost, uh, lost a young child riding a four-wheeler this week. Right? There is sadness. There's brokenness all around us. But if we know that Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God, that He really did die on the cross, that He really did raise from the dead, that he really is seated at the right hand of God waiting for the day that he will return, that he really is going to call us home and we really will spend all of eternity with him, then even in the midst of sadness, we can find joy. Amen? Because our joy is set in who Christ is. It's set in eternity, not in our circumstances. That's the kind of joy that's contagious, by the way. Amen? That's the kind of joy that other people want. And so we've got love, we've got joy, we've got peace. True peace can only be found in a right relationship with God. Believers are called to be at peace with God by confessing their sin and dealing with their sin and asking Jesus to forgive them of their sin. Then we're also called to pursue peace with one another and pursue peace even with the outside lost world, right? Because peace comes from a right relationship with God. Then we see that we're supposed to have patience. Calvin says that patience is to take everything in good part and not be easily offended. Take everything in good part and not be easily offended. Whoo, patience is the one I circle, right? That, that's the struggle. That, that's, the, that's the biggest area of weakness I have, right? I, I, uh, you know what, I got a lot of weaknesses. Patience is one of them. Let's be honest. Patience is one of them. Right, And so when we are dealing with patience, I have learned that patience can be translated as long-suffering. Right? I love, that's my favorite translation of the word patience. Endurance or long-suffering. It means that we are to suffer long in this life and we are even to suffer long with one another. Amen? How many are you excited about Thanksgiving? Right? How many are you excited about Thanksgiving because you're going to get to eat? How many because you're going to get to spend time with your family? All of your family. Like, yeah. Right? Right? Because family's family. Right? If you want to maintain a close relationship with your family, what do you got to do? You got to suffer along with them. Right? You're in it for the long haul. Amen? Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's less than great. Right? And so we have to suffer along with one another as the family of God, right? And so, again, patience is ultimately seen best in Christ because it is God the Father who has patience with us, his children. It is God that suffers long with us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. So God gives us grace and mercy instead of what we deserve. Why? Because he's patient with us. Amen? 
And so we have patience, we have kindness. It's another attribute of God that we are called to emulate as the Spirit works in us. It is God's goodness towards us that called us to salvation and eternal life. So kindness then is seen most often in acts of service, like generosity, hospitality towards others. It is being kind and loving towards one another. We're going to move quicker. Goodness. Goodness, this term only appears four times in the New Testament, but it carries with it the idea of generosity and benevolence. It's going the second mile when you're not required. It's remembering that this is a quality that is not natural for us, but flows from the work of the Spirit in our lives, right? I am naturally selfish. I naturally want what's best for me, right? But goodness is me looking out for others instead, amen? It's, it's, you know, not going to the dessert table first when you have a church luncheon. Or maybe it is because that's goodness on the table. I don't know. We'll see. We'll argue about that later, right? Faithfulness speaks to being trustworthy, truthful, and reliable. This is different from the faith it takes to, for us to put our faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. This is us living a life of faithfulness whereby we fulfill that which God has called us to do. Gentleness. Best definition I found is strength under control, right? It's not a lack of strength. It's being able to be gentle with something because you have the strength to hurt it. Therefore, you are gently holding the kitten or the baby or whatever it happens to be. So it's strength under control. It's a humble, submissive, and teachable attitude. Again, this is an attribute of Jesus seen when he deals with his disciples and teaching them and when he welcomes and loves on the little children. And then finally, self-control. Speaks to mastery over one's desires and passions. Self-control is required for all believers to fulfill the calling that God has in our lives. We desperately need self-control. Amen? And so when you take these nine virtues and you contrast them with the 15 sins that Paul lists, we have two very different lists. Amen? My question is this. What's the fruit of your life? That's why Paul lists these lists. Because Paul says, be aware of the fruit you're producing. So let me ask you, are you producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Perhaps the answer is no. And you find yourself gratifying the desires of the flesh. You find yourself heading away from God. Let me again say, be aware of the fruit that you're producing. Don't don't try to rationalize it. Don't try to justify it. Acknowledge it as sin. Because God still loves you and there's still hope for your eternity. Amen? But you first got to acknowledge that you're living in sin. Perhaps the answer is yes. The fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life. But you see room to grow in your life. I would say join the club. Amen? And continue to walk by the Spirit in your daily life. So walk by the Spirit in your daily life. Be aware of the fruit you are producing. And then thirdly, remember the victory we have in Christ. Now, at the end of the chapter, after hearing about this struggle, after seeing these two different lists, you you may feel as if you're kind of in the middle of this tug of war going on between the flesh and the Spirit. And the truth of the matter is, you are. Right? And you may think, man, this tug of war that exists within my life, it's always going to be there. And, and I'm just destined to spend my entire life sort of in mediocrity for the Lord, just sort of struggling through my faith. Well, let me remind you to remember the victory you have and we have in Christ. Amen? Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, 
He not only died for your sins as a sacrifice for your sin. He not only was buried to pay the penalty of death that you owed. But let me remind you, he rose from the dead. He defeated death and the grave. He's overcome sin. He's overcome death. And he did that for you and for me. And if we put our faith and trust in him, not only do we have the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us, but we have victory through Christ. Amen. You're not destined to struggle the rest of your life. You're destined to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you're destined for. Amen. And although this life can be a struggle, although this life can be difficult at times, remember the victory we have in Christ and remember that you are not alone. Notice what Paul says in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. In other words, we now have the ability to say no to sin and overcome our flesh if we will live by the Spirit. Matter of fact, that's exactly what Paul says in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also then keep in step with the Spirit. That phrase, keep in step with the Spirit, it is a military term that was used to define and describe marching. It was marching in order so that marching in the military was unified and it was together. Here's what Paul says. Keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit is going before you. He is leading you in your life. And He's leading you into the battle that life is. Amen? But you've not been left alone. Because the Spirit is leading you into the battle. Amen? It's the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you that is leading you. You are not alone you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And if you will submit to the Spirit daily in your life, if you'll be aware of the fruit that you're producing in your life, and if you will remember the victory you have in Christ, you can overcome the desires of the flesh. You can live a life that brings glory and honor to the Lord. So Paul says this at the end, let us not be conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Listen, he could have listed any of the three sins he wanted. Here's what he says. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Allow him to take control of your life and continue to overcome sin. Amen? So, here's what this is going to look like. We're going to commit today, right, to overcome the desires of the flesh by submitting to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Right? Then we're going to go to lunch. Right? And it's not going to be too much it's not gonna be too long after we leave church that we're gonna have to remind ourselves of what we've done amen and we're gonna have to refocus ourselves right we're gonna have to resubmit ourselves right because life is coming at us right and this whole week life is going to be coming at us right and i'm telling you right now you do not stand a chance alone but there's victory in christ so let's not forget the importance of submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God. We learned last week, He is our helper. He guides us into our, into our everyday life. He allows us to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. But He can't do it if we're not submitting to Him. Amen? Let's pray. First of all, let me ask you, are you walking by the Spirit in your life? Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're a believer. You've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and you're assured of that. But the reality is your prayer life, your, your scripture time, your focus, it's just not there right now. 
you're struggling because you're not taking the way of escape. And, and the reality is right now, you're here this morning. You are a believer, but you are struggling. Let me encourage you. Commit again today to prayer, to reading the word, to maintaining your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and taking the way of escape that God provides. Walk by the Spirit in your daily life. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And so maybe now, right where you're seated, you just need to confess that. You need to commit yourself to the Lord. And you need to ask God to, again, remind you moment by moment to follow the Spirit in your daily life. Well, let me ask you as well, what fruit are you producing in your life? Maybe it's the works of the flesh. And the reality is, you're practicing such things. And because of that, the Holy Spirit has made it evident to you this morning that you are not yet a believer. Well, if that's the case, then I've got great news. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your sin, that means that the Holy Spirit is also calling you unto salvation. He's not convicting you so you'll feel bad. He's convicting you so that you'll know your sin so that you can confess it and put your faith and trust in Jesus. So if you're here this morning and the works of your life, the fruit that you're producing is the works of the flesh and you know that you are not saved but you feel God calling out to you now. That means God loves you and that means that God wants a relationship with you. In just a few moments... We're going to stand to sing the hymn of invitation. And if that's you this morning and you feel God calling out to you for salvation, then I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Stand up, come down front, and I'd love to tell you more about how you can give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I understand if you're too shy, and that's, that's way too much to ask. Listen, you, you can come talk to me afterward. But if you're here today, do not leave here without talking to me, without giving your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Believers, let me encourage you. We can overcome the desires of the flesh if we will walk by the Spirit, if we will be aware of the fruit that we're producing, and if we will remember the victory we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you, we praise you for all that you're doing. Be with us now as we come before you during this invitation. Let your will be done in your house and in our lives. It's in your holy name that we pray, amen.